Hey guys, I'm Ashley Graham, and this is Pretty Big Deal. All right, as always, this episode is sponsored by my go-to for all things makeup, Revlon. Every episode, I'm gonna be having in-depth and personal conversations with some of my favorite people on how they walk the walk of self-talk. We'll find out about their pretty big deal moment. Absolutely nothing is off limits, so get ready. All right, guys, today we are talking to Phoebe Robinson. She is a comedian, an actress, and a New York Times bestseller, and most importantly, an overall boss, baby. It, it's like, it's a, without a shadow of a doubt, there's always some kind of technical issue and it just, it just is what it is. Have you been um, finding that with your podcast now? It's been, well, the, the good thing about my boyfriend is he is just such a tech junkie that like if there's ever any hiccup, he can figure it out in like three minutes. So it's like great. I like, I couldn't do a so podcast. So he's your producer. He's, yeah, he's my producer. He edits all the episodes like, if it was up to me, I would just be like uploading to SoundCloud, I guess. Like, I don't know what I'd be doing. <laughs> I have to say, I, I don't even know how to do that. So I'm <laughs> thankful for my team as well. Thank God we have teams. Right? <laughs> First, how are you? You know, I'm good. I mean, it feels bizarre to be almost eight months into quarantining and it feels kind of normal, which I'm like, oh. But, you know, mm. like, family's good. Like, no one has it. Like, so I have, like, no complaints. It's just, like, a lot of work, but everyone's healthy, so it's good. What about you? You have, like, a new baby and everything. I have a new baby. We moved. Girl, I was living in Park Slope for 15 years. Oh, you were? Yes. I can't believe we never ran into each That's other. A, yeah, I moved here two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Okay, because I've been living in Dumbo now for a year, nice. so that's probably why. But yes, yes. But Park Slope is forever my favorite neighborhood. And for anybody listening who's never been to Park Slope in Brooklyn, like it's like a neighborhood for New York. Yes. It's my favorite. 100%. I love it so much. I'm just going to turn off the AC just in case you can hear it. You have the AC on, girl? Well, because it's a it's wig. Cold outside. I'm going to get hot oh. with this wig on these lights. <laughs> I don't start sweating, so. <laughs> I love you. Wait, how many wigs do you have? 12, 10, 12, maybe? Yes. And are they all on, like, do, do they have their own closet? Well, that's very nice of you to think I have enough space for that. So they just, like, I stuff <laughs> them in, like, Ziploc bags. <laughs> then okay. take them out and, like, fluff them up. Like, my goal is to get a house and have, like, a wig wall. Like, that's my dream. Oh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I don't have any wigs, but I have lots of clip-ins. Yeah. Like, lots yeah. of clip-ins. <laughs> and I, too, stuff in bags, and they actually live in a suitcase oh, in a nice. closet. Oh, nice. But we have the varieties, yeah. you know, the colors, the lengths, <laughs> yeah. the textures. So, fellow podcaster, this is very exciting. So fun. You started Black Frasier in quarantine. I did, yeah. How long has it been out now? It came out two and a half months ago. Yeah, two months ago, okay. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what prompted you to start Black Frasier? Well, I kind of always had this idea of like an advice podcast floating around in my head. And then like, you know, before quarantine, like everyone's like bopping around, traveling, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, it's just never the right time for it. And then when we're all sort of stuck inside, it was sort of like, oh, we're all kind of feeling all these heavy things right now with like, you know, mm -hmm. social uprising, you know, this pandemic, 
like mass unemployment, all these things. And I was like, I really just feel like we all need to be having conversations with each other and sort of helping us feel better and more hopeful about the world. And, you know, my boyfriend always joked that I like to just give advice unsolicited or solicited. And I've <laughs> never seen Frasier, but I know that he gives advice. So we're like, oh, I'm like a black Frasier. And that's like how the name came about, which has been like so cute and fun. And I think people really responded to the fact that like, this podcast is like not designed to be like, we have all the answers and you guys are going to learn. It's more like, this is a conversation. Mm. We don't always know how things are going to turn out, but like, at least if we're connecting with each other, we will feel less alone. I appreciate that because I think that in order to connect everyone, everybody has to tell what their truth is. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you say. Like you say that this is where you can show your truth. And do you feel like your guests are also able to like open up to you? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think we try to have like each episode have a theme. So like, for example, the episode I did with Abby Jacobson, it was about motherhood because I don't want to have kids. And she's sort of like on the fence. She's like, I don't know, but we're both, you know, I think we're both 36. So it's sort of like when you get that age, you really have to decide like, what do you want your next sort of 20 years to look like in a real intentional way? And so it was really good to just kind of have this frank, open, honest conversation and just sort of be like, the fact that we're thinking about these things and sort of figuring out our lives, like that is like the goal. It's not to be like, I'm better than you because I want to have kids or like your life doesn't have meaning mm -hmm. because you don't want to have kids. It's just sort of like you have to figure out what is going to be best for your life. And oftentimes that looks like something different from other people. And that's OK. You know, so you walked into that interview knowing you didn't want to have kids. I was just going to ask, like, is that something you learned about yourself or what have you learned about yourself in hosting Black Frasier? I think. When I was in my 20s, I wanted to have kids. And then as I got older, I was just like, I really like being an aunt. And I really like... <laughs> you can give the kids back. Yeah, I really like leaving. <laughs> but also, I feel like through my work, and I tend to hire a lot of women, I feel like... I don't want to call myself a mentor, but I feel like I'm very nurturing in that way. And I feel like maybe that is my purpose. Rather than being a mom, it's sort of like kind of like nurturing this women, these women to find their own power and become like these badass mm. business women. I'm like, okay, that's my purpose. I'm going to lean into that. But I think what I've learned about myself, I would always joke with my boyfriend, like, oh, I'm not smart enough to interview this person. Or, oh, I'm really nervous to talk to this person because, you know, they have a PhD and I don't and blah, blah, blah. And now I just sort of kind of am in a place where I'm like, I'm a, a person, you're a person. Who cares about degrees? Who cares about how many books you read? Like, we got to talk about some real life shit. And like so much of that is based on experience and based on how you process the things that happen to you, the things that you do to other people. So it made me really sort of stop kind of negging myself before I interview someone or feeling like I have so much anxiety the whole time to be like, oh, my God, you're going to say something stupid. It's just sort of like, even if I did, who who cares? You know, just go for it. I can imagine how you probably felt when you were about to interview Michelle Obama. I, I, I was nervous. I was very nervous. <laughs> but now you're like, hey, Mish. Hey, what's up, bestie Mish? I'm like, oh, OK, we got nicknames. OK, OK. <laughs> Does she like sign her text messages XX Mish? No, I wish she did. That would be amazing. I'm going to ask her to do that from now on. But the thing is, it's like, 
Like, I would just get in my head. And she's, like, such a normal, down-to-earth person. And then, like, five minutes after talking to her, you're like, oh, this is my homegirl. Like, I don't need to, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, she is, like, an accomplished lawyer, all these things. But it's like, I don't need to, like, make this a bigger deal. Just be in the moment. I think that's what I've really, truly learned is being in the moment when talking to someone instead of going like, okay, make sure I have my next question, make sure I'm looking okay, making sure like I say something funny. It's like, no, just be present because that person's being really present with you. So it only makes sense that you'd give that back in return. Yeah, the respect. Well, okay, speaking of Michelle, our favorite first lady, and let's just say like hypothetically, she is our president and she has you <laughs> as her VP, okay? <laughs> I know this is this is a lot to handle, right? <laughs> but what do you what would be the first real thing that you do as vice president? And what would be the first fun thing you would do as vice president? Okay. The first fun thing I would do would be to change the national anthem to U2's Beautiful Day because they are my favorite band. And we need to hear that <laughs> song all the time at every sport sporting event. So yes. <laughs> Wait, give us a little, give us sing it a little bit. Oh, I can't sing. Um, it's a beautiful oh. day. Hey. Don't let it get away. It's a beautiful yes. day. We have to tag Bono. It's happening. I'm sorry, Bono. Girl, he don't care. He's just glad that it's going to be the national anthem. <laughs> And then what's the real thing you're going to do? I think the real thing. So during quarantine, this is going to sound in not, not insane, but like, whoa. But to preface, I don't have kids. I'm not taking care of like any family members. But I've read 42 books during quarantine. I know. I'm going into like a small black hole. I'm going to like sink down into my couch right now. I do not feel worthy. <laughs> I am reading children's book right now. The last book I read was about sleep training. Ooh. So, I mean, I'm I'm getting I'm doing Brene Brown again. Like I'm going back. I love her. Yeah. So yeah, and like I'm like second time around. But God, forty two books. I know it's wild. So wait, where does this have to do with what you're going to do for the country? So I re- so reading has really become like. It was always important to me, but it's been extra important for me to sort of, like, de-stress from, like, what's going on in the world. So I really want to, like, I think I would make reading, like, my big number one initiative, like, in schools, like, building more libraries, like, funding more libraries. Because I feel like I definitely went through a phase where it was like, oh, I have the Internet or I have this and I have all these other things I don't need to read. And, like, I didn't read books for years. And so then I really miss sort of that kind of activation of my imagination just from reading and sort of like building these pictures in my mind. And so I definitely see my niece who's six and how much she loves books and like she always wants to read to me. I'm like, I want, I would want every kid to have that sort of excitement where like reading isn't scary. Like if I mess up a word, it's okay. If I don't know what a sentence means, it's fine. But I'm having so much fun doing this thing and feeling empowered. I Love that idea because from a personal perspective, I was diagnosed with ADD and dyslexia in fourth grade. And my reading level was of a second grader in fourth Mm -hmm. grade. So, Mm -hmm. and if I would have just had that like one-on-one attention, somebody who 
put that time and effort in and like if there was a there was like you know systems implemented in schools for kids like me like I think that it wouldn't have been as scary going you know into the higher grades yeah were so, you just I love that idea. always like I really hope the teacher does not call on me like what yes mm. remember the game popcorn mm-hmm yeah. And they would be like, popcorn. And I'm like sweating. Yeah. Praying to God they don't say my name. And I'm like, I don't know what this word is. Yeah. Like, that's next. And then they'd say my name and I'd be like, decided. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, good job, Ash. You know, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. And, but now, I, you know, like I love talking to other people that have ADD and dyslexia because it's like that combo can be lethal. But if you mm. know how to channel your energy and you... You can get through it and, you know, yeah. look at me now. Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> but I think that that's a great idea. And speaking of reading and your avid read, I mean, did you start a book club, by the way? Because that I needs have to happen. not. I'm, I'm like, let me get this imprint off the ground because that's a lot of work. <laughs> okay. So that's what I was just about to talk about, the tiny reparations. Yeah. You bossed up. You now started this book imprint. And I just, I want to know everything. I want to know the meaning behind the name. I want to know what inspired you to start it as well. So let me back up to 2014 when I met my lit agent, Robert Ginsler. I used to blog quite a bit. And he found me online and he just sent me an email. He was like, hey, I don't know if you already are writing a book, but if you're not, I would love to meet with you. And that was like always always my dream to like sort of write a a book, like an essay collection or whatever. So we sat down and we talked about it and I came up with this proposal. I was really so excited about it. And then when I was going out and pitching my first book, You Can't Touch My Hair, I was just getting a lot of pushback. People were saying like, oh, this won't sell. Like no one wants to read an essay collection written by a black woman. This was in 2015 when I was shopping this book around. So five years ago, the feedback I was getting is that like, oh, this isn't relatable. Like no one's going to care about this story, blah, blah, blah. And so the only person who wanted my book is my publisher who is helping me run my imprint. And they got it and it became a New York Times bestseller. And then all these agents were like emailing Robert being like, hey, why didn't you send me this proposal? Like, I would have loved to have published this. And he was like, I did. And you rejected it. Yeah. What did they say back? They were just like, you know, like everyone's like, oh, I guess. Oh, OK, well, congratulations. Best luck. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. And I just remember like. They didn't, like, say anything about rejecting it. Yeah, of course not. Because no one's going to own when they do something messy, right? And so mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. always remember that through, like, you know, over the years of just, like, how sort of frustrated I got that it was just sort of, like, no one believed that my work was worthy because I'm a black woman. And so I was like, I really wanted to have an imprint where I could be a space that no one would ever feel devalued because they're not you know, white, because they're not straight, because they're not male, and they're not mm. cis. So we, our, our priority is women, people of color, and people in the queer community. Literary fiction, essay collections, and short stories are kind of like where we're focusing on now for maybe the first couple of years. Eventually, I think I would like to get into YA, because I started reading YA, and it's really cute and fun. And it's been really great to sort of like have this support and like Penguin, who's like the big overseer, like they totally get it and Mm. they support it. And my editor, Amber Oliver, is this amazing black girl and she's so funny and smart and great. So I'm really excited about the books that we have coming out. Uh, My 
next essay collection will be the first book that's coming out, and that's um, next fall, 2021. I was just going to say, like, what are you looking forward to? And this must be it. I'm just like, when I'm, like, not doing stuff like this, I'm just writing. I'm like, ah. Yeah. So beyond what happened in 2015, mm-hmm. as a Black woman, what have your experiences been with publishing? I will say, I think what's been really good about my publisher is that they've always been really supportive and they've always like really appreciated how hard I worked. And so I think they wanted to meet me there. But I think, you know, like most industries, publishing has a way to go. And I think that hashtag that came out over the spring, publishing paid me, I think really made people see what was going on and seeing that a lot of authors of color were getting advances that were like, a half, you know, Mm. like way less than like what, you know, maybe an author who's white is getting. And so I think it really sort of shined a light on publishing being like, okay, we do have to take ownership over the ways that we've sort of let these authors down. And now we need to start course correcting. I feel like Plume has really been on track with like doing that. So it's been great. And sort of just understanding that like, the perspective that I have is different from theirs and that's fine, And but it has value. Mm-hmm. And I think the more different perspectives that you have, the better things are ultimately. So it's mm-hmm. like, just do it, you know? I love it. I love it. Tiny reps. Do we, can we call it tiny yeah, reps? Yeah, we can call it tiny... tiny reps. I love that. Okay. <laughs> tiny reps. So you also have, it also has a TV production mm-hmm. uh, company under ABC. Yeah. First of all, lots of people in the pandemic are freaking out, but Miss B.B. <laughs> Robinson has her own show on Comedy Central coming out. Yeah. Doing the most. <laughs> and I'm not saying that she's doing the most. I'm saying that her show is called Doing the Most. <laughs> Tell us what Doing the Most is about. I really started because I am a workaholic. And as a result, I... <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, So I really don't have a lot of life skills. I don't have tons of experiences. Like I've been wearing a tattoo for like 10 years, haven't gotten it, don't know how to drive. I'm afraid of heights. I can't really cook that well. Like there's just so many. I can't write a a lot of things. Like I can't even do. I know it's a mess. Are you from the city? Not from the suburbs, Ohio. But I was like such a nerd that I would just like stay home and watch TV. And like I didn't go to parties. So, Ash, I'm a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when you say, I need to learn how to be a person, because you quoted, I'm, you know, I need to learn how to be a person. That's what you're saying. I don't know how to be a person. So each episode, (laughs) like, with Whitney Cummings, like, she taught me how to, like, ride a horse and, like, because I was always kind of, like, scared of animals. I'm like, they're so unpredictable. And she was like, people are unpredictable. She's like, animals make Mm. logical sense. People Mm. don't. And I was like, oh, that's true. So she taught me how to to ride a horse and sort of like overcome my fear of animals. And then with Tan Mm -hmm. France, uh, he taught me how to bake. And so we had like a baking competition. And it's just really fun way to sort of interview someone in their element. Because I think so many times like you know, you're interviewed like on a late night show, or you only have like mm-hmm. seven minutes, or you're doing like a, you know, a phoner interview while you're like trying to do something else. And so this is like a shared experience. And it's like showing off these celebs in a way where it's like, you get to see them like just killing it and me being uncomfortable and still trying to have a conversation with them. It's loads of fun. So we stopped production halfway through shooting the season. So now we're hoping mm. that we can finish shooting it 
during COVID. I don't know how. But yeah, it's been, it's been really exciting. I think it's possible. Yeah. I think that there's like a lot of things that people are doing now that they didn't feel were possible even just like three months ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think, do you know how to rollerblade? No. Do you? Avid. <gasps> Avid rollerblade. Oh my God, can you teach me? Oh my God. Done. Okay. Done. I actually once did a whole interview holding the woman who was interviewing me. I had to hold her hand while we rollerbladed because she wanted to do something outside of the box. And I was like, well, I guess rollerblades outside yeah. of the box. And she was frightened. <laughs> and I was warned, like, you know, like, we don't know if she can rollerblade or not. Sure enough, she had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> and I'm there like this, sweaty palms on the West Side Highway, rollerblading. She's got like knee, elbow pads, knee pads. <laughs> and I'm like, I am holding this grown woman's hand who's asking me like personal questions as we're going down the West Side Highway. It was a whole moment. But I will gladly hold your hand down the West Side Highway if that's where you want to go. Okay. All right. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> dream guest. Oh gosh. Uh dream guest. It'd probably be RuPaul. I oh. love Ru so much. It would be so fun. I think what Ru has done culturally is incredible. Like drag mm-hmm. is mainstream. Like the average person mm-hmm. knows what it is and can celebrate it. Like that was not the case. And so I just would bow down and be like, teach me everything. Whatever you want to do, I will do. But I just think that Rue is so inspiring to so many people, and that would be really fun. I have to shout out my friends at Revlon and my glam team for today's look. My world-class makeup artist, the one and only Katie Jane Hughes, hooked me up and is using one of my favorite little tricks. She used the Revlon Color Stay Pencil in soft brown to contour my lips. I know it sounds funny to use an eyebrow pencil on your lip, but trust me, it's the most beautiful contour. What's really nice about this trick is that it just makes your lips look that much fuller, plumper, and still natural looking. You just use the brown line shading contour and it adds that that contour. And we use the Tropical Vibes palette to highlight and elongate the eye and enhance natural shadows. I know, it sounds like a lot, but it is facts. My eye looks beautiful. So every time I put on the Tropical Vibes palette, I feel like I'm on this tropical staycation. Cue the waves. No matter how we mix and match it, it always winds up looking so fierce. Live boldly with Revlon. So talking comedy, talking podcasts, you had a podcast um, called So Many White Guys. And, you know, you kind of harp on the fact that comedy is really predominantly white and male, not just comedy, but even podcasts. But I also feel like from from my perspective, things are changing. But Mm -hmm. I want to hear from your perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think especially during COVID, like everyone is sort of like, okay, I'm at home. I think I could do a podcast. I think I have something to say. Like, I think what's so great about podcasts is that, like, if you're passionate about something, you could turn that into a show. So, like, there are shows, mm-hmm. there are podcasts about, like, people who love Sex and the City. There are video game podcasts. There are pop culture podcasts, politics, entertainment, what have you, beauty. And so I think that now people are feeling like, yeah, my voice is valid. I think I'm interesting. I think I'm funny. I think I, I'm smart. I have something to say. And so I think so many people are doing podcasts right now. And it's a really great outlet to sort of hone your voice. And I think to mm-hmm. shake things up a little bit because, 
I love a good conversation, but, you know, most of us don't sound like Ira Glass or Terry Gross. And so it's cool to have, you know, people like you, me, like all sorts of people who are just sort of like, we're just authentically being ourselves. And that's appreciated, you know? Do you feel like, though, like in this authentically being ourselves generation with cancel culture and PC Mm. culture, like, do you feel that that is something that you have to think about or that you are thinking about? I mean, I think what's happening has its good points and it's sort of like not so great points. I think the really like the overarching thing that I think is really exciting is that I think we all now have to think a little bit more before we speak. And, you know, just thinking about in stand up comedy, like I've been doing stand up for 12 years. And like, you know, when I started out, I was just sort of like emulating like these guys and where it was just like shock value, say whatever, even if it's like super offensive, that's like great. And then like now I'm in a place where I'm like, no, you should you should be thinking about what you're saying. Like words have power, they have meaning. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't want my comedy to make people feel bad about themselves. So I think the fact that a lot of us are sort of like, hold on, is this is this right? Should I be saying this? And just taking that extra beat, I think is good. I think what is not so great is that we're not allowing people to grow from the things that they used to believe that they no longer do. And I think Mm. everyone is guilty of having some sort of inappropriate thought or behaving in a way that was societally okay and now it's not. And it's good that people have learned like, oh, okay, that's not good to do because of this. Like, this is actually putting someone down. This is sort of minimizing, Mm -hmm. dehumanizing someone. So I will not use that word anymore. And I think that when people are so fearful of cancel culture, they're either going to double down on inappropriate behavior or they're not going to speak up or they're going to like sort of find people who won't judge them for doing inappropriate things and they end up with a whole group of people that maybe they shouldn't end up with. So I think I want us to be mindful of when someone is sort of correcting their behavior to virtue signal and when someone is correcting their Mm. behavior because they understand the implications of what they were doing before were bad and not good and Mm -hmm. harmful and now Mm -hmm. they want to move forward in a way that's going to be more positive. Yeah, because we can't just like hold this over people's heads for the rest of their lives, especially as as the world is is revolving. And there's a quote that you said in Black Fraser that I really liked and it was, we don't allow people to be wrong in order to figure out how to be right. I said that? You did say that, and I would love for you to expand Ooh, on that. Oh, okay. She's, She's smart sometimes. Fancy. <laughs> sometimes. I read 42 books in quarantine. <laughs> I'm not going to forget that. In fact, I'm writing that down. I mean, what I mean by that is, like, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know what you're doing mm. is inappropriate. Sometimes that's the case. Mm-hmm. Other times it's just sort of like, this is what you've grown up with, so it's normal to you. And then you get out into another environment and you realize, oh, this this shit that I was taught before is not okay. And so I think people are so afraid of being wrong that it puts them maybe in a state of paralysis where they're not, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to move. They don't know how to speak. And so I think sometimes it is okay to fail. It is okay to sort of express these inappropriate thoughts that you have so you can learn that they are inappropriate. And so I want us to still be in a place where we can be human. Like, I don't want cancel culture to 
get rid of what it means to be a person. And a lot of times mm-hmm. being a person is growing. And like, that's what you're going to do throughout your life. Like, I hope that like when I'm 50, I think drastically differently than I do now. Cause that means that I'm learning more information. I'm you're evolving. Yeah. And I'm, I'm figuring out who I am and what my place is in the world in a, a more like profound mm-hmm. way. And so I think that when we don't allow people to be wrong or make mistakes or, or figure out something, I think we're really taking away a huge part of what it means for them to be a human. I just wanted to have like a long pause there for people who are just taking all of that in. You know, sometimes we just need like a minute to let it all sink in because it's important. Mm -hmm. It's important. And I think that a lot of people do feel afraid. They feel afraid of what's happening in the world. So they feel like they have to be silent because God forbid, you know, they don't they don't want to be fired. They don't want, you know, whatever it is. So I've had lots of family conversations about this one back home in Nebraska while I was quarantined. (laughs) It It was interesting. And, you know, I think that it's also fun to see this other side of you you've gotten very political and we've we've heard you obviously speak up about Breonna Taylor and demanding justice on every front which we have to demand it yeah. but it's nice to see when people actually stand up and start talking about it what what's been the reaction been like for you I feel like it's been pretty much positive I think I'm definitely in a place where I'm like I don't want like As much as I'm speaking up, I want to make it clear to people, like, I'm not one of the activists who have been in the streets and been doing this for years and decades. Like, I know my place. And so I'm not, like, trying to be, like, a leading voice in this. I'm just sort of, like, trying to sort of just talk about things that mean something to me because the people who follow me on social media, maybe it also means something to them, too, so we could start a dialogue. But I feel like people Mm -hmm. have been really positive. And I always try to come from a place of, like, love and acceptance, but I'm also, like, pretty angry and I'm very upset like most people that this is still going on that we just you know we we feel like our lives truly don't matter like I'm fully like if I got murdered tomorrow I don't think anyone would care like there's a huge part of me that believes that because that's the evidence that I've seen my entire life and so I think what's been good is that people hear me when I say like I'm hurting or I feel sad or like my heart is breaking and like this is awful and like it's it feels nice to be heard and it feels nice that I can have conversations with people here internationally like people be like oh I live in Paris and like this is what's going on and like it's this huge community that's happening because I just was sort of like all right, it's fun to do two dope queens and it's fun to be silly, but like I can't have this platform and then like ignore what the real world is, you know? Yeah, because I'm sure you didn't think of your platform as going into injustices. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad that there is, I think that social media can be very toxic, but I also feel like it can also bring people together. And I think this is a situation where it's really brought people together and you're able to see the the demand for change in a big way. I mean, we see the ugly side of it as well yeah. and the people who don't care, but to be able to not only see women come together, uh, but just people from all walks of life. I think that it's it's been very positive. Yeah, yeah. How's it been for you, like, just sort of bringing a child into this sort of chaos right now? Like, what are you even thinking or feeling most days? It's interesting because I don't, I'm a person that doesn't live in fear. Mm -hmm. I always try to stay in the present, but I, 
because like I have so much faith around me, I'm not one to agonize, but I want to be educated yeah. and I want to be smart about what what we're walking into. Yeah. So, you know, I've had many conversations with my husband in the fact that like he is a black man on the streets and like, what does that feel like for him? And then here we are bringing a black boy into the world. So I obviously a lot of that will go, Isaac will be talking to his dad about mm -hmm. these, this, but I can't be like the ignorant white mom yeah. and not know, you know, what my son is about to walk into. So it's been a constant dialogue since we were dating, but now I think that it's just been ramped up. Yeah. And I think that that's what's, it's the most important thing for families is to be having these conversations and reading books and the documentaries and everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hey everybody, Ashley Graham here to tell you about one of my skincare essentials. So a little birdie told me about this brand called Flamingo. They make this body moisturizing suite of products that are just perfect for keeping your skin hydrated. And today I wanna tell you about the Flamingo Daily Moisturizing Lotion. Okay, so it's a part of my daily routine no matter what's on my planner for the day. Just take some of the lotion, rub it all over your body, and you can lock in moisture for up to 24 hours. It comes in a couple of different sizes, but you should probably just get the big one because you can never just have enough lotion. This daily moisturizer lotion is the real deal. Hello, I said the real deal. It makes my skin feel so smooth. It's not sticky and the white willow bark and the papaya extract help exfoliate it. So, ooh, you just feel so good and it absorbs so quickly. Oh, and did I mention all of Flamingo's products are dye-free, paraben-free and cruelty-free? What are you waiting for? Give your skin the TLC it needs with Flamingo's Body Moisturizing Suite. Find it on shopflamingo.com. There was a quote that you said about go Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get backlash for, for telling people to go Google, <laughs> go Google I mean, it? every once in a while, someone would be like, well, you're not helping. I'm like, it's not my job to like, I, like I'm not a walking library. Like I just feel like if you can like look, like last night I was on Postmates for 20 minutes trying to decide which taco place to get tacos from. If you could do that for 20 minutes, then you could do that about like racial injustice. It's, it's not that hard to take the initiative. And I think people want to mm -hmm. act like, oh, I just have, there's no possible way that I can sort of like dive into this. And it's like, you just roll up your it's sleeve. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but you just like, you roll up your sleeves and you just pick up a book and you start with one book and that'll lead to another book. And then, you know, mm -hmm. you start sort of taking what you're reading and putting that into your actions. Like, it's not glamorous work. It's not fun work. It's not easy because it's like, Anytime you get involved in any sort of justice space or sort of like just bettering your community, you have to also realize the ways that you have kind of turned a blind eye to things that maybe you shouldn't have. And so it's mm -hmm. just about accountability and we all have to be accountable. We all have to just like step up and do more than what we're doing. So that is my my new answer now is Google it. Honey, I am tired, so Google it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I started laughing when I, when I read that. I, I loved it. I also love how 
you're creating spaces for people. And, and like you said earlier, like you're really focused on women, people of color, LGBTQ+. And, and I think that that's great. And I, I really want to know from everything you're doing and everything you're involved in, what do you want your legacy to be? It's mm, a good question. I think, I think I want my legacy to be that A, I didn't do it alone, that people felt seen and heard and that this like sort of like love of curiosity and sort of like this hunger and this appetite for just sort of like wanting to hear new perspectives and new voices and align myself to be changed and and educated like I think I want that to be sort of my legacy because you know I feel so lucky to be in a position where I can have this imprint and that we're, we're starting to develop tv shows that are going to reflect more of what's going on in society and I think that a that's a huge responsibility but b it's sort of like how exciting is it to be like doing something that's going to make people feel good or doing something that's Mm. going to allow people to be like, oh, yes, I can get my voice out there. Like to me, that is probably why I am such a workaholic because I I love that high of just feeling like I can like extend my platform and include other people because who wants to be at the top by themselves? Not that I'm at the top, but who wants to, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I mean, some would say differently. I mean, I see you at the top. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But I I love ambitious women. Damn straight. Yeah. I really want people to feel like when you're pursuing something, you don't have to only just think about yourself, but that there's there's so Mm. much out there that you can share it with others. That was my other dramatic pause. (laughs) I'm also really excited to watch which you're headlining for Amazon, the uh, end of 2020, the yearly departed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like sort of the first in-person shoot that I've done since quarantine. Like, I've just, I've really been like, I don't want to, like, go anywhere because I'm, like, really scared, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they took care of us so well. Like, the the COVID testing, the temperature, like, everything was, like, Mm -hmm. so on point. But, yeah, this comedy special, we really just wanted to be, like, we know this year has been awful in so many ways. So, yeah, it was just, it was really great to have, like, all these amazing women I just sort of like take down the things that have been like really crummy in 2020 and try to make mm-hmm. us laugh a little bit. Cause I think we're all feeling mm-hmm. so heavy and so weary that it's really nice to just like, okay, I could turn off my brain for an hour and just have a good time. Thank God. And we hope that 2021 will be much better than this shit show. You know, it better be. Right. It really it better be. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Well, I guess on one hand, 2020 has sort of like taken so much from us, like our jobs, you know, our sanity. But also on the other hand, it's given us the freedom to be pantsless. And I have I have shorts on for you right now because I want I respect and honor you. You are a queen. But I've done so many like Zooms where my boyfriend's like, you're rolling dice here. He's like, one false move, someone's going to see your Hanes her way. So you might want to like... Hey, Hanes her way, ladies and gentlemen. That is not a hashtag sponsor. (laughs) So, you know, it's a a balance of like you're feeling this sort of freedom, but also you're like sort of like just stressed the whole time. So I'm hoping that next Mm. year we'll feel like (sighs) we'll be more connected to ourselves and like things will just be better. And you'll remember to put your pants on. Yes. Before I leave my apartment, yes. 
On that, <laughs> I thank you oh so much for coming on to Pretty Big Deal. And thank you again for putting on shorts for me because I, I can't tell you how many times I've done it, interviews and thongs. So <laughs> I feel you, sis. I feel you. Thanks for having me on. I can't believe it's already over. I feel like we're just at brunch, just hanging out. So great. And that's where we should be doing. Mm -hmm. There are so many good brunch spots in Park Slope, by the way. We got to like, maybe we can work something out. We can rollerblade with a mimosa. <laughs> I want to break all my bones. I'm just saying right now. <laughs> we'll make sure you have a helmet, the knee pads, the elbow pads. We've got it all under control. Phoebe, thank you so much for joining Pretty Big Deal. I really appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much, Ashley. I'll talk to you soon. Phoebe, it was so fun talking to you today. I love multi-talented people, especially people who don't put limits on themselves for what they truly can do and can achieve. So again, Phoebe, thank you. You are a true PBD girl. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Pretty Big Deal Pod and on Twitter at PrettyBigPod. Don't forget to share your Pretty Big Deal moments with me on social media with the hashtag PrettyBigDeal.